Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter, and joining me again today is my husband and co-host for the day, Stacy Doty. Hi, Stace. Hello. <laughs> uh, we, today, Stacy and I are going to talk about something that's very close to our hearts. A few years ago, I had have written a book called Pinky the Perminator Undercover Kitty, and that is the subject of our discussion for the day. Pinky was such a wonderful cat that she deserved a whole book, and um, I am a big believer in spaying and neutering your pets, so is Stacy, and we both know anybody who is an animal lover, dogs or cats, you know that our rescues are overcome and our rescuers are totally overwhelmed. Uh, yes, uh, if a person does the research, there are often free or greatly reduced fee for spay and neuter clinics offered around the country. For those who try to be responsible pet owners, it is so sad and frustrating when people leave their outside pets unaltered so they can breed indiscriminately. So backing up to when you and I met Stacy in 2013, uh, we used to have a go out and have a few drinks, and then I would come home and write some stories. My grandmother liked to write, and I kind of picked up the writing bug from her. I wouldn't say that I might be very good, but I enjoyed doing it. And uh, I would write these little stories about each one of my my cats and my dogs, and read them to Stacy. And it was a fun way to we'd, we'd pass an afternoon and got more acquainted and shared a love of animals, and. They were not written to be chapters in a book. They were just individual stories. But in the end, that's exactly where they ended up in a book. Stacy supported me and encouraged me to do that. I, I never dreamed about doing it. Um, it was always something I thought it'd be nice. I don't have anything to leave behind. I don't have any children by choice. I'm childless by choice. And I always felt that with the passage of time, all that would ever exist that would show that I had ever walked this earth would be nothing but a tombstone. And um, I wanted more than that. And so I thought when I had the opportunity, I knew traditional publishers would not be interested in my little book, although it had, a, it had an important message and one that is very dear to my heart. So um, I talked to some friends of mine named Kirby and Cynthia Pringle, who are, live in Tuscola. They've published a series of successful books, and I asked who their publisher was. And uh, armed with that information and my fistful of stories, I spoke to an employee at Friesen Press, a publishing company, which is in British Columbia. And after hearing the cost and going through the process, it, a team was assigned to me, and uh, I set about trying to mold my stories into a book. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a lot more difficult to try to put a bunch of stories into a book form rather than sitting down and trying to write a book, because uh, it, was, it was a very challenging 
to put all those little different stories with all those little different characters. But Pinky deserved her own book because she was such a special girl. She was a gray and white, short-haired, domestic short-haired cat. And she was about one year old when I adopted her from No Boundaries Rescue, which is a now defunct rescue. It, um, she, Pinky soon asserted herself over the other cats in the household. It didn't take long before she held dominion over all the cats and the two 70-pound chocolate labs. They were absolutely petrified of that little cat, <laughs> with good reason. And I love that cat. Uh, she had such a personality. There was something just so special about her. When she wasn't feeling well, she would hang out on top of the shower, the, the shower door in the bathroom. And it was such an odd place when you just think of a sick cat being hanging and balancing on the one and a half inch piece of metal. I don't even know how she did it or why she did it, but I always knew that she wasn't feeling well. And so when I met Stacy, of course, she wormed her way into his heart, too. I, uh, she was a little bit reluctant with you, Stacy, until, if you remember, when I went to my nephew's wedding in 2016 up in Chicago, and you came and stayed with them. And that's when you and Pinky really bonded. Uh, that's when you uh, started carrying her around. You'd carry her around with her back against your chest, and her little, f- her little feet, her little back, back feet would be resting on your left hand. A wrist, like the inside of your wrist, and her her little right, her front feet were hanging over the top of your right arm, and you'd carry her around the house, and that was just your little signature way to carry her. And she loved it when you go, you take her around to all the windows and let her look out and see what was outside, and she was just so attentive. She loved it, didn't she, Stacy? Yeah, she did. And uh, one day, Pinky disappeared. We couldn't find her in uh, any of her hidey holes. So finally I took a flashlight to the basement and shone the light in the crawl space. And I I saw two shiny green eyes looking back at me. And though I'm no fan of dark unlit crawl spaces that could be full of spiders and bugs, I love Pinky so much (laughs) that I crawled to the far wall and retrieved our girl. And I knew then, not only did I love Pinky, but I loved you because no, nobody, I couldn't get in there and do that. I mean, I, I guess I would have if I had no choice, but oh my gosh, it would have been so difficult. That's a nasty little crawl space that you got in. But since she didn't have, I, I had the kitchen, the bathroom remodeled and she, I had a shower curtain. So she knew she couldn't get up on her favorite place where she would sit when she wasn't feeling well. And so her place in the basement, that's where she went. And, uh, we just had searched high and low for her that day and couldn't find her. And when you found her, I was so thankful. When I did find her, we took her to the vet and because uh, I knew she was sick to be doing that and found out that she had been eating part of my of the pain medication that I'd been putting in my, in Savannah's dog bowl. Uh, my two chocolate labs are named Savannah and Cheyenne. And Savannah had an inoperable cancerous tumor on her hindquarters. And um, I would put the medicine in their food dish. And um, I, you know, we would laugh when we'd see Pinky going over there and licking on the bottom of the dog's food dish because I didn't know any better. I honestly did not know that painkillers are deadly to cats. 
And I just, once I found out from the vet what, what had happened when I, I took her there and they found out she was close to kidney failure, I was devastated that I had put my beautiful little sweet pinky in, in such a vulnerable position. I had no idea and I felt guilty and I probably will always feel guilty about that. Um, but but we took her. Um, she almost died of kidney failure, but Dr. Autumn Gillespie saved her life. And um, Pinky had to uh, be in the vet hospital getting IV fluids for five days. And she kept trying to remove the IV, and she removed it a few times before they finally put the cone of shame on her head. And um, I would go up and sit with her sometimes and try to coax her to feel better. And as a result of that, that close encounter that Pinky had, she had to have sub-Q fluids administered twice a week for two and a half years. So uh, every Monday and Friday, we had to go to the vet's office and they would, I tried doing it at home. You can do it at home. And I did it. I have done it with other cats. Pinky would not tolerate it from me. You have to pick up, you know, pick up the back of their skin, back behind their neck and stick a needle in and insert this. Uh, usually it's just, it was just um, the clear fluid. It's just water, but she needed that. And so twice a, twice a, a week for two and a half years, that cat endured that again. My guilt was tremendous because of that. But Pinky, she took it like a trooper. And she she knew that um, eventually, in time, I would take her to the vet's office. And she knew that after we visit, visited the vet, that I would open up, after she we were settled back into the car, I would open up the pet taxi. And she could roam around the car as she wanted. She was free. And um, she would she would just go from one from the front to the back to the both the back windows and the passenger door passenger side and sit in my lap and she just was uh, so excited to see all the all the sights that um, the trees and the the homes that were going by she loved everything she loved exploring the countryside with me staring wide-eyed at all the all the sights all the while talking a mile a minute pinky was a talking cat she talked a lot and um, she, she, I even put a litter box in the back of the car, which she did use. So uh, she loved, she loved our, our. And I don't know that she loved getting the treatment, of course, the sub Q fluids, but she took it like a trooper. And so, um, but putting the book together with all that experience proved to be a far daunting challenge than just writing the stories themselves. Uh, yes, and the book was called Pinky the Permanator Undercover Kitty. Pinky had one item on her bucket list, and that's to be the first ever feline contestant on the TV game show The Price is Right, so she could thank Drew Carey for supporting, <laughs> spaying, and neutering. <laughs> so thanks, Stacy. And and it soon became clear that not only would I need a, a copy editor one that looks for spelling and grammar and punctuation errors. But I needed a content editor, a, a person who could help turn the series of stories into a um, clear, consistent, and cohesive book because it was, uh, it was all over the place. Some the, uh, the, it was just all over the place, and I had a hard time putting together. So I paid to have a content editor help guide my stories in a fashion so that they would make sense. 
And there were other considerations that I had never thought of. I mean, I've, I'd never never written a book before, and I'd never self-published a book before. Years ago, when I was when I was younger, self-published books were kind of frowned upon or looked down on. But um, you know, I, I knew I, I, at the age that I was. I'm now seventy one. I was in my mid sixties when I wrote this book. I I didn't want to ha- face a barrage. I knew better than to try to face a barrage of rejection editors. Um, so, uh, but there were other considerations. Did I want paperback or did I want hardcover too? Um, what kind of design did I want on the desk cover and the inside flap? Did I want a dedication page? Did I want to include photos? Had I thought about what I wanted to include on the back cover, the part that most people look at before they purchase a book? What price points did I want to sell the book for? All these processes were way more overwhelming than I had anticipated. But you know what? I was proud of myself for stepping out of my comfort zone. And I have you to thank for that, Stacy, my friend. So after several months of rewriting and revisions, go ahead, honey. What are you going to say? I just said you're welcome. Glad to do it. (laughs) Well, thanks. It was fun. (laughs) You You've been a great support, and it, it was a long process. But after several months of rewriting and revisions, at last I was ready to submit my manuscript. I waited anxiously to see what the feedback was from the copy editor. After a week, I received an email telling me that the editor was finished and that I could see their critique. Stacy and I were going to Champagne when I cautiously opened up the manuscript, the program that had your manuscript in it, and to my surprise, there were only three items that had been red flagged, marked to be corrected, uh, grammar, punctuation, whatever. And needless to say, I was very excited, and I breathed a huge sigh of relief. However, (laughs) next up in the long process was for them to forward my manuscript to the content editor. Again, I had the long wait, but I was way more optimistic this time because of the positive feedback from the copy editor. Finally came the email that I had been waiting for, the one that propelled my book one big step toward being published. I opened the program that contained my manuscript and hoped for something like the three corrections that the copy editor suggested. There were 283 bright red flags that adorned my manuscript. And bear in mind, this is a small book. This is not a big book. And I was I was crestfallen. I shouldn't have been surprised, but I kind of was. I was expecting some changes, but this task was now becoming truly daunting and was going to require some considerable time to fix. Meanwhile, I'm telling my friends that as long as I was taking to this book, they must think I was writing another war in, war and peace. But no, it was a very simple, very easy read. And another thing is most people, when hearing that the book is about a cat, assume that is a children's book, including the publisher. I made it clear that due to some of the content in the book, This definitely was not and is not a children's book. I am unsure if I ever won that battle, because I know in some places it still shows up in the children's section, and 
That's a little scary to me. So finally, seven years after I had written that first story about my cats and two dogs, it was time for my book to be published. The date was July 22nd, 2020. Yeah, and that's right. Uh, in 2020, that's the year that the world stopped due to COVID. Yeah. One of my mottos is timing is everything. <laughs> and boy, did this pound that home. And I really had no say in when it was going to be done. Uh, it just happened to fall in that time frame. And I, I never got to have a launch party. I, I had planned one and a group, um, a local group that I had reached out to to help me had said that they would help me. They would promote it. Uh, they had way more followers than I do on my social media. But when the week of the event came and um, they had not promoted me in any way, shape, or form, I pulled the plug on the event. And it may have been just as well. People were still, you know, we still couldn't. I wanted hugs from my friends, if I had any. I wanted hugs. I wanted um, some affirmations for my work. I wanted people to, you know, I, I just wanted people not to not to be scared and mistrustful of being out in groups. And unfortunately, that's where we were. So uh, my little book just languished into nothingness. And I've, I've sold a few dozen copies here and there. But no, near, we're near what I had hoped for. And I had hoped to change a few minds about adopting uh, dogs and not purchasing them. It's my, even though my book is about a cat, the uh, spaying and neutering applies across the board. Cats, dogs, uh, it's just that it seems like cats seems to seem to reproduce so much more quickly. But I don't believe that my message about um, adopting dogs and not purchasing really ever caught hold. And I had often shared my frustration with you, Stacy, about how I wished I could do an audio version of my book, bringing out the distinct characteristics of each of my cats and my dogs through their voices. I knew since I had self-published that that would never happen. Yes, and but then, and then it did. Friesen Press sent an email offering audio services, and we checked that out and then decided to give it a try. We surely did. And uh, I was just really taken aback that I'd have that opportunity to uh, try to bring to life the characters of my my pets that I love so much. And those of you who are animal lovers, you know the distinct personalities that our, our animals have and the characteristics and how different they all are. Cats are not all created equal dogs. It doesn't matter about the breed. Some breeds have different characteristics, but I'm sorry. Cats are just <laughs> the cats are just cats, and they uh, we don't uh, nobody owns a cat. We are their staff. We we are at their beck and call. Um, that's all there is to it. So um, when they had the opportunity to to do the audio book, we converted my coat closet into a recording area. Um, we moved in a card table. Stacy set up my computer in there, and uh, we kept many of the clothes in the closet to help buffer any outside noises. Um, and I worked with a wonderful man named Mark Shipman. He was very patient with me, very kind, very gentle. And uh, I was understandably nervous to start that new venture and yet excited about actually giving voices to my little kitty and doggy characters. So the closet was dark except for the light coming from the computer screen where I narrated for my manuscript. 
Mark stopped me periodically to go over a phrase or a word that was muffled. Once he stopped me and asked, Wendy, what was that sound? I said, I, I'm sorry, Mark, I didn't hear anything because I was almost afraid to move because I didn't even want to rustle the clothing. I was kind of frozen in time for while we were recording. And I said, the only thing I had with me was my phone and it was muted. He said, that's it. I heard it vibrating. You need to take it out of the room, which I did. But there was just so much to learn. And it was such a, an interesting experience. And at times scary, but um, it was definitely worth worth that fear and to get past to get past that fear. And we recorded the book in four sessions, and it was it was great fun. And again, I'm proud that I, thanks to you, Stacy, stepped out of the of my comfort zone. Uh, you bet. And uh, Wendy and I are a firm believer in adopting, not shopping. Uh, there are rescues for every major breed, for sure. Some are far away. But there are people who volunteer to drive an animal to a destination. Sometimes a few drivers are involved, uh, as when Kirby and Cynthia Pringle of Tuscola, Illinois, uh, searched for a companion for their dog after having lost his buddy. And uh, their dog was transported from Texas. Yeah, I, I, I often try to sway people to to understand that just because you don't find a, a rescue within your driving area, within your state, within your within your region, doesn't mean there's not a dog or a cat, you know, that you're looking for that people will transport to you. There are people that that's what they do. That's the way they volunteer to help. There are so many ways to help um, to support these rescues. I guarantee you, rescues and rescuers are absolutely worn. Rescuers are worn to the bone. It's emotionally draining to try so hard to save these animals you know you get you you have five five cats spayed and neutered and then then you know the next day somebody's delivering you know a mother cat and six or eight kittens to your facility again and you start it's just it's just so difficult for me to understand and I, I know that it can be expensive i've you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of excess cash myself, but I live in the country. I mean, you live in the country, it's not unusual for people to dump their animals here. So I would imagine in the last five years, five or 10 years, I've probably taken in five or six cats to be spayed or neutered that just wandered in. And um, I don't know, they might have been the Amish neighbor's cats, but hey, when they go back, they're minus a little bit of their equipment. Because if you're coming to my house and you're friendly enough, I can pet you. You're going to be meeting my vet. <laughs> That's just the way it is. And um, I just, uh, I think it's so important for um, people to spay and neuter. And you read adopting instead of shopping. Um, we have a situation in, in my area. There are a lot of breeders around here, and I'm not going to denigrate them for what they do. They do what they do because there is a market for those animals. Because people, if you're willing to pay for an animal, and they're no more devoted, they're no more loyal, they're no more loving than an animal that's sitting out at the Coles County Animal Shelter or XYZ Animal Shelter or Rescue. Those animals are, they're broken. Sometimes they're their uh, their owners have their their masters have died, or have had to go into a nursing home or a f facility where they can't have their pets anymore, 
And some sometimes when the when the owners die or their caretakers or the animals die, they're the other family they don't take the can't take those animals in sometimes. And I don't know, it just breaks my heart to think how how heartsick and sad, depressed those poor animals are sitting in a shelter behind a, you know, they're taken from their little their comfortable homes where they have the routine, where they get their treats, they get their pets, they get to sleep with their with their family and you know, go out and go to a dog park or go for a walk. And then all of a sudden they're stuck in this shelter with a cold concrete floor and a gate. It's just utterly sad and depressing to me. And I I guess because I never had the money to throw around to buy a dog, I just, and I, I, to get, get animals that need a home, their eyes, when they look at you, they know, they know in their heart that you've saved their lives. They know. You can't, nobody will ever convince me otherwise that they don't know because I know that they do. Yes, uh, to me and I think to anyone with a, with a good heart, uh, to me rescuing a dog or a cat from uh, that type of life to give a better life is so much of a very nice, warm feeling inside because they they deserve to have a good life themselves. And uh, I, I wholly support people who take the time to uh, just, just to check it out. Uh, there are many cats and many dogs, I think, that would definitely would fill the heart of someone who wants to go out and adopt them. Right. And, and I do not mean to... Um say anything negative about my friends. I know I have friends that have gone out and bought dogs. I mean, I understand where your heart is. That's your heart. I'm not I'm not inside your skin feeling what you feel. You're entitled to feel what you feel. You know you know your heart. And and I cannot feel that for you, but I know my heart too. And um, you know, when uh, when puppies are brought into this world strictly for money and uh then there, somebody will take them. When you 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 take that dog home that you've purchased, and then in the meantime, there are animals being taken to their death in every shelter and every rescue around because there's just not room for them. And so these poor little animals that you know could could live out the rest of their lives with lo- in loving homes if people would just give them a chance, they don't get that chance. You know, at the very at the very least, sometimes I would think that I would just beseech people to, if you're going to go and buy a dog, get a companion dog from a rescue. Get another dog that would be a friend to the one that you that you bought. You know, and but if you could, if you would ever find the in your heart the opportunity to rescue a dog. Take them some of the money you might have used to buy a dog and give it to that rescue. They need that money to keep those to keep the animals fed, sheltered, clean, healthy. Um, it's just it's just so incredibly important. And and um, I've been on the periphery of some rescues and I've just helped a little bit. But I know that it's the people that love these animals give their heart and soul to that cause. And um, like I said, I do not mean any any uh, thing negative on my on my friends or anyone else who chooses to purchase a dog. That is your choice. But but please try to give give uh, some soul searching to the opportunity of rescuing and just 
think if something happened to that dog that you look at and that you love every day, if something were to happen to you and you had no other way to take, no, your survivors had no way to take care of that animal, think about how you would feel if your pet had to go to a rescue or a shelter and try to wait to be adopted. Can you imagine how they would feel behind that gate without you there, without your routine, without the things that you guys do together? Just think about that. That's that's all I'm asking. And that's kind of what my book is about. Um, and it's, as you can tell, it's very, very close to my heart. And it's a it's something that I feel so deeply about. And uh, I did send a copy of the book to Drew Carey, and I never heard anything. It was during COVID, so I, I, I didn't expect to hear back from him. But I'm, I've not given up the ghost. I'm going to get a copy of that book to Drew Carey if it's the last thing I do. Right, Stacy? You bet. <laughs> and uh, this book is available online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can also inquire about it on our uh, life on the Illinois Prairie Podcast Facebook page or on Pinky the Permanator Undercover Kitty page. And the audiobook is available on Spotify, Audible, Amazon, and other audiobook platforms. Well, thank you, Stacy. And thanks for being with me today, Stacy. You know, thanks for taking time from your busy day to be with me. <laughs> That's what I always right. tell my guests, right, Stacey? I, I, <laughs> well, I'm I'm always good for to help you, and especially uh, about animals because uh, they're very close to my heart too. I I've always been an animal lover, and uh, hopefully, when I die, I'll probably be reincarnated to a cat. Who knows? <laughs> well, I hope you're litter trained. Um, <laughs> that's that's. When we uh, when we met, Stacy and I, a, a little tidbit of information. When Stacy and I met, on, we met on Match dot com, and um, he he reached out with me with that uh, such a such a heartfelt and personal message. The day he wrote me those few few words that said, "And mind you, we live twenty miles apart." He said, "How's the weather in in Humboldt?" <laughs> And I said, probably about the same as it is in Charleston. But, but uh, in his profile, one of the things he said, he, he told me about, he, he didn't tell me, but he was in his profile. He said he loved music. He would like to find somebody who loved music as much as he did. They didn't have to be a musician, but he liked, he would appreciate if they would love music. And uh, he spoke about his love of cats. And uh, it didn't take long to realize just how... Uh, how much he loved cats. I think if he could spend most of his time around cats rather than people, and I'm beginning to understand that philosophy myself sometimes, he would be a happy man. But uh, thanks, Stacy, for being here on your day off from, from working at the music store. Uh, my pleasure. Of course, you have to be here to set up all the equipment because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. This is something I know how to do. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you come in handy every once in a while. <laughs> I'm going to put you on payroll. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, I want to <laughs> thank people for tuning in today. Uh, again, this this was uh, an episode that was very dear to my heart about, uh, and Stacy is in my heart, Pinky the Perminator, Undercover Kitty. It's a it's a quick read. It's uh, I think the audio version is like two and a half hours. 
but it's it's kind of a roller coaster ride of emotions, which is what I intended it to be. But it tells the story of of uh, being a rescue animal and see, try, starting out and seeing life from inside that cage. Hey, you you know you've who knows what an animal's background, a cat's background may have been before they ended up at a rescue, but. When they when they're in that little cage and you know all of a sudden people are poking their fingers in and staring and pointing and you're trying to hide behind your litter box because you're scared to death. It's a uh, that's that's the perspective from which uh, Pinky tells her story. So I want to thank people for joining Stacy and me today on Life on the Illinois Prairie. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and please go like my Facebook page, Life on the Illinois Prairie podcast, and uh, if you have any comments or anything else to offer, please do so. And uh, please be kind. Thank you. Thanks, Stacy. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.